I V M. This is Storytellers and Story Sellers on the IVM Podcast Network. You're listening to Vineet Kanabar live on tape. There has been talk of a direct-to-OTT movie model as the lockdown continues. A couple of movies have skipped the theatrical, uh, their plans of a theatrical release to go directly to Amazon, and this has had high-amplitude disruptions in the world of movie distribution. It was once considered a distant dream, the whole internet release model in India, because of how the industry is structured. But now it is here. The proof of this uh, is global. Uh, Netflix is a winner of eight Academy Awards and has 44 nominations and I'm sure many more are on their way. Um, and while the Indian industry was untouched by all of this so far, it is now here at our doorstep, expedited by the coronavirus. Amazon Prime is moving quickly to fill in for the theaters and uh, a very... traditional model of distribution for entertainment now stands threatened i am delighted to be joined by uh, mr vivek lat managing director of goquest media ventures to talk about this and so much more vivek has a wealth of experience in buying and selling entertainment and rights um, and i want to really get um, this down into a double episode uh, to get his insights about where the indian ecosystem is headed in the ott and theatrical debate and in part 2 we talk about how tv channels and uh, programming are linked at the revenue end hi vivek welcome to storytellers and story sellers hi vidit how are you thanks for inviting me here i am very well and i'm so glad uh, you could make time and join me i know it's a, a saturday afternoon so but i'm making you talk shop a little bit but uh, i'm sure there's a lot uh, that we can get out at here perfect uh, we are in a lockdown now so i don't think i have anything better to do on a saturday i rather do this than anything else i'm so glad can you tell us a little bit more about um, what goquest media ventures does uh, what is it that you do sure so i started goquest uh, back in 2013 the core idea was to basically set up a boutique agency for exporting content in the rest of the world so primarily movies and television shows but the real sort of strength that we built up was exporting indian television shows into other countries what we started selling was the basic soap operas that you see on star colors sony or you know the the usual gc broadcast channels so when i when i basically entered into this industry back in 2010 it was a very interesting revelation about how soap operas are selling like hot cakes in many many parts of the world right you know i saw our shows getting blown up in eastern europe you know to the extent that one of someone from macedonia actually reached out when i was working back in the day for another company to send them you know rajasthani materials bandhnis and churis and 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 that's all because like balika vadu was the merchandise because balika vadu was the number one show there i had no relation to the show just that the show became a super duper hit in macedonia in 2010 and suddenly you know people that we know within the industry or trade from that part of the world would start getting in touch with me and saying can you please export some merchandise because the show is blowing up That's amazing. Um, do they still so, watch it? Oh, they still watch it. I mean, that that's surprisingly that one show with which is you know essentially so regressive did amazingly well across the world. In Vietnam, it was number one show. They might treat it like a period piece. No, it's actually not a period piece. They don't treat it like a period piece. It's just the relatability right. to that little girl. And uh, one of the things you know, doing this business, I understood was women in most. parts of the world especially in emerging and developing markets right 
are same. Their problems are the same. The kind of content they want to watch is the same. Right. What emotions drive them, right, when they watch this is largely the same. Pretty much everyone has the same backstory in life. So again, this was a very interesting revelation, right? You know, when you're doing this and you realize that, you know, while the content that we produce here in India, we don't really regard it highly, right? You know, imagine you right. telling your friends, Are, I love watching uh, Balika Vadu and, and the look you get. Or an again for that matter. I mean, that's, that's right. another... That. There was a time... There was a time when I said it proudly, right? Um, I'll tell right. you what, uh, when I was in school, and this is like around 2000, 2001, it used to be the rage to say, I watch Kyuki Sazbi Kabhi Bahuti. So it's not Bahuti. like, or before that, I think Shanti and stuff, it would be like, oh, I watch Shanti with my parents in the afternoon. I'm like a good kid or whatever. So it's not like we, we've never had good TV. Uh, and again, the show stuff that we see today, I'm sure there are people who relate to it. No, it's not for me. But Absolutely. this uh, Macedonia bit is just, it's, it's out of this world. Uh, I, mean, I never thought Balika Vadu was the show that uh, that would make it. But please, um, back to you telling us about GoQuest. So again, the revelation was there that, you know, there is a significant gap in the market. The way we are exporting, we are not really giving good legs and push to the content that we are producing here. And, and the market is much larger, right? And if we can tap each and every emerging market, there is a good business to be built out. That's sort of the, the background that I started GoQuest with. Um, back in 2013 and uh, you know the first deal we did was actually in Bosnia for a Sony show um, Kya Hua Tiravada again and then the second deal we did was a deal in Africa for a Sony show called Bade Achche Lagte Hain and that, that's one show we sold in 16 to 18 countries um, wow. and, uh, and again very very interesting sort of insights about how people across the world look at content so so the journey is literally started there and you know there was really no plan, right? Like most entrepreneurs who sit with a business plan that ye karenge, aise karenge, and this is the point we raise money, this is what we do. When I started, there was really no plan. The whole idea was, right. you know, this business has gaps. I don't know how big it can get. I and, you know, my co-founder, we both started it. So we were only looking at, fine, you know, we were making so much money uh, when we were in a full-time job. As long as we can make the same money while doing this business on our own, there's nothing to lose. Right. So again, that sort of, you know, it's, it's a controversial thing to look at it, you know, the way startups are done now, but that helped us quite a bit. And then we started, we did some business in the first year. We almost did a business about 90 lakhs in the first year. And you were always like bootstrapped. There was no like venture funding Never, rounds. Nothing. No venture funding rounds. Of course, you know, my, my heart and soul belong to technology because of the background I come from that, you know, I'll, I'll come to that a little bit later, but so the, the, the goal always was, correct? How do I make it a larger scalable play? But as I'm thinking outside, I see the business growing significantly, more opportunities coming on the basic licensing side. So, you know, it's a difficult sort of piece to just keep that those thoughts and those dreams on the side and continue to pursue a direction that you are, you are doing. So, so that worked and uh, we kept on doing business um, over 2013, 14, 15. By 15, we started reaching to more and more countries. We opened Vietnam. We opened a lot of other countries in Southeast Asia, became one of the top exporters of Indian content in, in Africa. Um, so is it so safe what, to say that uh, you're the reason why Ram Kapoor is now a big star in Africa? Yes. Wow, that's fantastic. And there are a <laughs> few more names I'll, I'll throw in. Um, <laughs> there is a very interesting Jamaica story. But yeah, I mean, all all across Africa, we threw Ram Kapoor in, in from that one show, correct? He was seen by everyone. 
So again, That's one thing amazing. led to another. You know, the business kept growing. Uh, broadcasters here in India were looking for more and more sort of avenues to generate revenue. While they have their own teams, they were very lean. We were very clear about how a sales process is to be done, how content needs to be pitched. Um, we had our own way of doing research and finding out the right folks. So, and and you know how to match the right content with with the person or the audience that we are selling this to. So, so how big is the team uh, now at GoQuest? And, so and how are you structured? Uh, is there like a the re- data research team as well? I'm sure uh, to find yeah. out supply and demand. It's a very interesting uh, kind of problem that you're solving, right? So, like, how's the team structured? How big is it? So we're total fifty-two right now, uh, which also includes uh, our branded content business right. and our YouTube business as well, correct? Other than the, the basic licensing business. But sure. uh, right now, the team is structured basically, um, you know, with sales folks on the top. So we have a full-time sales office out of Tel Aviv. Uh, you know, we've just hired someone who has, you know, years and years of experience to run our US and in Europe operations. There's a full-time office in Vietnam. So one of my colleagues, Harshad, who started with us, he moved to Vietnam two years ago to manage the Southeast Asia business and the East Asia right. business. Better part of the business we work out of India. We are just hiring someone out of Latin America as well to run the Latin America sales. So now actually going forward, what we're doing, we need more and more legs on the ground in international locations rather than managing everything from India. But yeah, until right. until, until two years ago, all the operations were, were run, from, run from India and we would just travel a lot. I mean, Practically, almost one third of my year would go in flights and hotels. But I'm sure it's it's a great job to have, and I'd much rather sell entertainment than anything else. I think it's it's a you're like an agent of cross cultural exchange, right? And I think that 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 just feels so great. Um, I mean, one of one of these papers uh, by this guy called Arvind, uh, sorry, Arjun Apadurai talks about uh, culture scapes, ethnoscapes, technoscapes, mm. and and here I'm looking at someone who is. A sort of culture scape who's driving in that is a fantastic setup for our conversation with what you do at GoQuest. Now, let me ask you this um, as a more fundamental question to set up our chat as well. Is one of the hardest things to do is to value content, right? It's mm-hmm. something that we face every day on the branded content side or on the production side. There is obviously a cost input to content, right? But entertainment or a production is often valued so much more than the sum of its parts. Um, mm-hmm. How does that break down when you're buying and selling it? I mean, are there metrics that you arrive at so that the buyer and seller speak the same language? How does that work? So there are, there are definitely no benchmarks here, right? Because entertainment as a category is so bizarre, there is really no MRP right. to how a content needs to be done or sold. While broadcasters try to do that, when they produce a show, they you know, they have a cost plus model is what they call it, where they pay producers a, a fixed 15% margin over and above the cost of the production. So that's the way they value it. But then there are multiple ways and different kind of content you look at to value. So let's take TV, for example, right? Typically, when we price the, the cost of content, we take the benchmark of about 20-25% of the overall ad revenue or the revenue right. that, that, that one slot will generate or that one content will generate over its lifetime from that with that broadcaster, right? So if we sell a show and we know that this show will, you know, roughly do about, uh, you know, let's say, you know, 50 lakh rupees of revenue for that broadcaster on the show, we typically take a benchmark of about 20, 25 odd percent right. as the cost of content. And and that's how we start our, our first negotiations with most of the, the, the broadcasters. 
lot of times it is also the kind of content that you're selling as well correct some content may drive trp but may not drive advertising revenue as well so right one of the things you see you know you see a lot of the the south indian uh, movies dubbed into hindi and playing pretty much across the board right they generate massive trp but for the same trp a salman khan movie will generate four times the revenue for the right. same broadcaster it's right. it's some premiumness to it correct it's how brands look at it i'm sure because you are in branded content you know how brands look at uh, affinity right to a great extent so you can't affinity, really put brand a, safety there's so brand much like safety, content so much, has so those things. new metrics right. that happen yeah so sometimes it's very difficult to sort of put a value to it but but then you know uh, looking at how what is the brand value that that broadcaster will get from its advertiser if this content goes in so you try to charge a little bit of a premium over and above uh, you know the basic metrics trying to put that together so there is really no science to it but you know there are various things you look at when we are selling content for example in um, in in any country in southeast asia one of the metric we would look at is what is the cost of local production out there when they do local production if they spend let's say $20000 per episode and we are selling let's say indian content to them and you know the trps are more or less ratings are more or less the same we try to price it within that benchmark of course they won't pay us right. the same amount as right. they would spend on a local production but i would not i wouldn't sell my show at you know $1000 an episode right if i know that my show is giving them more or less the same ratings of a local production for which they spend about $20000 so this is one way of sort of valuing content by looking at existing benchmarks so sure. one quick question when you say an episode you mean a standard length episode like a 22 or a 44 minute episode internationally it is typically one hour it's only in india we do okay. half an hour episodes yeah sure. one hour slots okay. with about 45 minute of content got it sorry you were saying so there are different benchmarks one is what is the cost of production in that region what right. is the expected revenue what is the premium that the the broadcaster is willing to pay for the kind of content that i'm selling them apply sort of those parameters and and try and price this when you're selling it for a licensing the other is also to look at what are other content providers getting so if i'm selling something in eastern europe and that's been one of my grouse for many many years is you know they'll buy turkish content they'll pay let's say $10000 an episode but similar rating indian show would not garner more than 500 to $600 per episode largely because oh, wow. also how we sell in india we you know we are actually pretty price sensitive so everyone just plays on price and uh, and then it becomes raised to the bottom but that's been the problem right. here uh, right. for some time but can we command $5000 from the same broadcasters absolutely because the benchmarks again are there but on the sales side our dynamic is a competitive dynamics are a little different so multiple so, ways but largely these are the base ones what would affect uh, the valuation then of something like that um, would someone who's a big star in india being part of a show change its valuation significantly in vietnam or uh, bosnia would that, yes. does that matter cross culturally yes. it does that that matters but more importantly it's not if the person is a big star in india is the person already famous in that country so i'll give one more example in indonesia in 2014 a star show uh, mahabharat was uh, aired on a channel called aunty tv the guy who played arjun his name is shahir sheikh he became a superstar i mean he almost had the status of shahrukh khan in indonesia um, right. still commands that status correct and 
anything that Shahir would be in would simply become gold, right? Wow. And that happened in Indonesia with for a lot of Indian soap opera actors. I mean, out here they would be living right next to me. There's there's, there's actually a soap opera superstar who lives on my same floor, right across, um, right. and a whole bunch of them in my building. So very normal folks here in Indonesia. They're treated like gods. I mean, Rajnikanth, the kind of fan wow. following Rajnikanth would have if he's on the road back in Chennai. Imagine the same in Indonesia for these folks. So, so again, yes, if if the person is famous there, any content that comes with the same person, of course, commands premium. That's that's just mind-boggling to hear that someone who just lives on your floor might be Raj, Rajnikanth in Indonesia. It's, absolutely, it's, it's absolutely insane to think about. I mean, we have seen merchandise or gifts almost worth you know half a million dollars being sent to the hotels of some of these artists i mean it's it's just bizarre it's just bizarre it's insane uh, let me ask you this um, before we kind of switch over to our conversation about uh, movies and ott can you break down for us how how rights work whether it's for movies or whether it's for uh, for TV in general, how territorial rights work. Can you just break right. down for us and then we'll jump off into OTT and movies. Sure. So the way to think about rights is simply think about the, the actual usage of it. How will it get used? Where will it get used? Who will? And uh, how will it get accessed by the end right. consumer? So for movies, rights are largely into three or four buckets. Number one being theatrical rights, of course. Um, number two being called the satellite television rights. Right. Again, they're defined by the number of years uh, a satellite TV channel can can run them. It is defined by number of runs that they can you know use. It is defined by what languages they can dub it in or what kind of subtitling is allowed for them. Correct. Right. And each um, of these become sort of individual line items in the deal itself. Yes. But do they have yes. separate value? No, no, no. So each of them, it's it's a holistic value. It's always right. a holistic value. Each of them won't have separate value. What would have separate value sometimes is, you know, value for one territory versus value for another. But sure. uh, as far as satellite rights are concerned, you know, they don't break it up. It's now they take worldwide rights. Um, they take multiple languages and they take for multiple runs across their network. Of course, the pricing is right. done accordingly, but largely that's how it is. Um, you'd sell them, you'd sell rights to other channels as well. Internationally, you could restrict them by the region they are in. So I could take only satellite TV rights, sell it to a channel out of uh, Middle East only for, let's say, UAE or only for MENA, Middle East, North Africa right. region. Um, right. And they can only play it there within that language. So it's a lot of slicing and dicing across, you know, a set of six or seven parameters. One is what is a medium of delivery? In OTT, the medium of delivery is really an internet line. Um, right. In satellite, it is a satellite or a cable network. In case of theater, it is via theater. Um, in case of airline, for movies, there's something called as the airline rights as well, which right. is what you see in, in flights, correct? Which we call as ancillary yes. rights. There used right. to be home video, which is DVD and, you know, pen drives and all that. All that is gone. But there used to be rights for pen drives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people used to buy oh, amazing. home video and they used to call it as physical embodiment right. Um, very right. interesting terms. Uh, from back in 2010, which was, I can just put that content into any physical device and sell that physical device. Wow, that's, I mean, I, it's interesting to think that that is considered to be a right because pirates choose as choose it as their right to do it for free, like without having any rights to do it. But anyway. Right, but if companies have to buy it, they have to buy it. So tomorrow, yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, you know, some phone company decides to say, look, I'm going to embed some movies and 
sell these phones to customers, they need to buy those rights accordingly. They can't just pirate. Absolutely. I mean, um, I wish someone tells that to the guys who sell those uh, little chippy cards with preloaded movies, movies. Uh, that Correct. get passed around. So for movies, these are sort of the rights. For television content is mostly, you know, again, TV rights or OTT rights, streaming rights is what we call it. Um, and in some case, airlines are rights as well. One of the other things that go in television and films is the remake rights. So the right, right to remake the underlying story in any language um, and in any country. So again, that's a, that's a pretty big business as well. So if you try to slice and dice, there are multiple things. I mean, we've, we ran a deal where Microsoft, because they were training their AI for speech recognition, correct? So they, they wanted to buy audio files of a whole bunch of video content from India, um, right. including movies, and use that to train their AI. So, so those rights also are are that, something that, that, is that can be an insane application that right? I don't think a regular TV buyer for content is thinking of that application. But that that's that application, insane. correct, correct. Yeah. So you have to just think really hard about what is the underlying value. You know, music is of course one of them. The songs that are out there, clips get used a lot. You know, you use a clip of a movie from twenty years ago into your current movie. You know, rights have to be purchased for those as well. So you can slice and dice it across various sort of cuts and, and, you know, create a new right and see who wants to basically use those rights and sell, off, sell them off to them. So as someone who's into the distribution, selling of, um, of content, how do you view this new paradigm that's coming through this uh, direct to OTT uh, mm. movies? It's, it's, not, it's not brand new. I think uh, it has happened a little bit. We have become more used to it uh, with Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime, Hulu doing it in the US and in, in Europe. But uh, with the coronavirus in India, it's become a little bit of a sore point, right? Now with Gulabo Sitabo and a couple Correct. of other movies also deciding uh, to go direct to Amazon Prime. Right. Salman Khan's deals with uh, Amazon Prime of a, almost a first day release or an early release and stuff like that. Where, how, as a distributor, how do, you, how do you see this figure in, in the larger scheme of things? So it was bound to happen. It's just that just because it's happening on Amazon or Netflix, there are a few direct to release. doesn't really change how theaters function or what revenues theater generate. Correct? It's a simple exhibition medium. So... Netflixes of the world, they try to get content as exclusive as possible, as early as possible to try and drive more and more audience revenues. But you have to think from the actor side and the producer side and the director side as well. So first of all, most actors and directors, they hate the idea of direct-to-digital. I'm not saying all, but most of them because they love to be seen on big screens, correct? That's where the largest or, you know, that whole larger than life sort of perception of that actor gets created when they, when you right. see them on the big screen. Correct. So in fact, I know of films where, you know, uh, two years ago, a film by one of the top A-list actors was getting sold to Netflix where it would recover the production cost with a little bit of profit. But the actor put its foot down and said, look, you can't do that. Even though the actor didn't have any rights or say, but just to make sure and have that relationship with the actor, the production house decided to release it theatrically. And they lost everything. Um, they booked a loss of close to 16 crores on that film. Oh, um, wow. Whereas they could have made, made money on it. So this has also happened where under pressure, they've done this. So actors and directors don't like, they like to see their work on big screen. The movies business is like, in terms of theatrical, is a losing business, right? It's, it's a business that 
fails to break even 96-97% of the time. It's not like theatres are thriving, right? And I'm, I'm trying to look at this now from a from a producer or an actor's perspective mm. as well, right? Like while I understand that the integrity of the art and the big screen is super important for creators, ultimately making a movie is a commercial decision. Um, Correct. And that said, would you, would you think that maybe smaller producers would look at uh, OTTs as much more of a, both as a security blanket as uh, and as a distribution channel? Because, I mean, smaller movies may end up opening in 50, 100 theatres, uh, may not stand a chance to gain the recognition right. or find their audience. Uh, how do you how do you think so, sort of smaller smaller or medium sized size producers are approaching this? So here's the thing. So first of all, theater business is actually not on a decline. It is growing year to year. The no, no, I didn't mean theater business. Uh, I meant the movie business as a whole, right? In terms of if, if I assume movies as a as a product on an assembly line, the failure rate of the product in terms of breaking very even, high. Um, per project, very high. Right? I'm not I'm not saying theatricals yes. um, uh, is bad, but it doesn't break even, right? As a product, right? So here's the thing to think about it, right? I'll, I'll give a simple perspective. So, not every movie, correct, is is correct for theater or is apt for theater viewing, right? Uh, it, it's just that when I'm making a movie as a producer, I need my film to be seen in larger screen. There is an ego, there is a prestige attached to it. But they are not for the large screen. They are for what a paradigm that was already set was direct to home um, or right. direct to TV, which was already built back in the US. All we are now calling it direct to OTT. So right. smaller budget films, first of all, never did well. Almost 99% of them failed on the box office or didn't make any money or lost money. So of course, OTT is a great place for them. But Having said that, one thing that everyone forgets is a theater business or a theater revenues are actually permissionless revenues. What I mean by that is you are selling seats and tickets directly to the audience. There is no intermediary person who's sitting and deciding, look, the value of your content is X just because that is my capacity to monetize it. So if that producer would go to Netflix, Netflix would say, look, I, I don't care what you've produced it for. I don't care how well the audience likes it because I am the programming person sitting here. And in my view or in my algorithm's view, uh, conclusion, you know, uh, your content can only be viewed by so many audiences on my platform. And that's why I can only pay you so much. Right. Right. So it's completely the value of that content. So first of all, a producer has no recourse. If, if a Netflix, Amazon prime or any of the OTT platforms say no, Nothing. All that money is gone down. Right. Whereas with theater, there is still an opportunity for him to make some money. Or, you know, there are sleeper hits. That's how sleeper hits come out, correct? Right, right. And that also, also, you know, creates a very interesting ecosystem for producers to try new stuff. So if I, and that's what happened in TV as well, right? Why is TV the way it is? Is because television guys don't like to take risks. You know, the repercussions are really high. So they don't, experiment with storytelling. They don't experiment with the kind of production they need to do. So that's why for the last 20 years, what we see on TV is exactly the same. The same will happen with OTT guys because, you know, the amount of investment is huge. Who is going to put his asset asset risk and say, look, I'm going to take a decision to pay 100 crores to this film. And if that film doesn't do well at all on the platform, imagine the backlash. So again, one of the things in entertainment business is the person who decides to spend money on the content has the most risk personally. 
couple of things that come to mind um, when you're talking about this the 100 crore uh, thing um, is what uh, Netflix has done with uh, with the Martin Scorsese movie and uh, very recently Z has put out a movie with uh, Nawazuddin Siddiqui so I mean there are some people who are trying to take those uh, those leaps which is interesting but um, like you said a 100 crore film do you think that's possible do you think Netflix in India is um, will take take a punt or Amazon Prime for that matter in India will take a punt and create um, a 100 crore movie is it viable commercially do you think um, there's a possibility so commercial viability is definitely out of the window for them now they're, they're simply in investment mode at this point you ask anyone they'll tell you no one is I mean they're making money no one's to say they're not making money but are they making money enough to recover their content investments that's not true having said that Will they spend that 100 crores? I think they will. Correct. They are trying to corner the market as much as possible. More importantly, they're trying to bring subscribers. Right now, their only goal is to bring more and more new subscribers. So if I have an exclusive Salman or an Akshay Kumar film or a Rajnikanth film or even a, you know, a Vijay Devakonda film exclusive on my platform, I have more chances of getting more new subscribers with the idea that once they come in, they will stay. Correct. Right. So it's largely a new subscriber acquisition strategy more so than recovery model at this point. So yes, they will. But again, like I said, they all sit on very specific number of budgets. Correct. Right. Which is very different from theater. A theater does not sit on a specific number of budget. So if an Amazon says I'm going to spend, let's say a thousand crores in a year. Correct. There's only so much they can buy. But there's more getting produced behind the scenes, correct? There are not only 8 or 10, 100 crore films getting made in India. There are more getting made in India. And, right. and, uh, you know, and not just from Bollywood, from, from all, all other regional cinemas as well, correct? Marathi films are now breaking the barriers. They're crossing, you know, they, they used to be 2-3 crores in box office. Mm-hmm. Now they're easily crossing the barrier of 10-15 crores in box office. Punjabi right. films are doing the same. So... You know, overall, the size is increasing. And can they afford those budgets for each and every title? No. But they have the opportunity to take about 10-15% of the market and say, you know, we will we will buy out these larger films, but there will be so many more left for other mediums to exploit. So, so let me ask you this. Um, what, what are your thoughts so far on the uh, programming and acquisition, uh, content acquisition strategies that you've seen? From the OTTs, from at least the big ones, uh, what Correct. what have you? Uh, what has stood out for you? Um, what has felt like it's a sort of prescient move? Um, key, this will set the model up going forward. In, in what we've what we've seen in the past three four years in India, right? So here's the thing: the content strategy is literally changing every six months, if not every three months. Right. They're discovering and they're rediscovering things. So, for example, I know a platform which thought which started with putting content with a little bit of a sleazy content and a little bit of a titillating content and they got amazing viewership traction from a certain segment of their viewers and they decided to double down on it quietly correct no one knows but but they decided to double down on it so they've discovered that another platform was spending a lot on shows but they realized that they're getting a lot more new subscriber from movies so now they're that platform is doubling down on movies correct amazon decided that We'll do better off if we double down on South Indian movies. So if you go to Amazon Prime, you practically see pretty much all the big uh, South Indian movies, whether it is Tamil, Telugu uh, or Malayalam uh, and, you know, a couple of Kannada films. They are there on Amazon Prime and that's that's the strategy they went after. 
Netflix, on the other hand, had a very different view. Netflix wanted films that people appreciate, correct? Um, people, you know, look at it from a very critique point of view. At least that's what they were doing in India. They were not doing right, a lot of mass right. stuff, correct? So they took a, a generally very different view as far as content strategy was concerned. So each one has sort of picked up its own content strategy and said, "Let's just take this position and start driving audiences in that direction." And each one is successful in their way. So again, one of the things is, yeah, we are, we are, we are, you know, the addressable market for these folks is more than forty to fifty million um, yeah, it's massive. overall. Massive. So there will be slicing and dicing. You know, what you like, what I like, is is going to be completely different. Um, well, so, that's that's something that. Um, while I was even at TVF, uh, something that we saw happen, um, we have what 34, 35 OTTs is what we are operating at, and right. um, while a couple have wound up and people have decided to merge and stuff like that has happened, um, with more com- money coming in, especially on the telecom side, you have yeah. seen the the Geo deals that have happened, the Facebook uh, deal, um, Vodafone idea getting investments as well, the stock of Airtel getting investments as well, this. Market is getting bigger. There is no question about that. What I wanted to ask you as a follow-up to that is, have you, how have you seen it impact the, uh, the more native language markets? What has the, the market shift been? Has there been very clear shift in the kind of programming that they have chosen, whether it's on movie or TVs? Uh, or has it changed the financial models? What, what has been the impact there? So regional content definitely has got a great boost. I'd say TV had not done enough for regional content as much as OTT has done as far as blowing up regional movies is concerned. So that's why pretty much everyone is taking a, a very good stand. So Amazon recently decided to up their uh, focus on Gujarati movies. Right. right? So the and, and that's good for Gujarati producers as well because it's helping them now with more monetization avenues and, you know, it, it actually builds the industry that way. So the impact has been very, very good for the regional players. In they are subsequently investing more money to build more regional content now. So going forward, I, you will see significantly more regional content coming out of most of these uh, platforms. And, you know, audience viewership has actually shown the trend as well. The more regional or the more local you create, the better off for the platform or the, the better engagement you get. So the impact has been tremendously large. And I think as a trend that will continue further. I mean, that I think that's uh, very heartening to hear because we remain a very fragmented sort of entertainment landscape, right? The audience right. That, um, that we're seeing. And, and it's a trend that has emerged across the board, um, on, especially with the more, with the penetration of the internet, right? You see TikTok happening. And that's also a sign of people taking up content creation at a much more local, much more native language level. Correct. So um, it's very thrilling for me to see more and more recognition for um, uh, non-Hindi cinema, especially in India. How do you think that plays out, the direct-to-OTT model plays out? Do you think the first big experiments we'll see will happen more in uh, regional cinema or do you think uh, Bollywood will take to it before its other co- counterparts? Bollywood will be the first one and it's already there. They've already started doing it. Also because right. Bollywood is is actually a little far ahead compared to uh, how most regional cinemas operate. They still are very, very theater dependent. So I don't know if you know, uh, more than a month and a half back, the Tamil uh, Theater Association decided to ban every producer who would do direct-to-digital, correct? Right, um, they did. And, yeah. and in many regions, governments actually intervene in, in, in things like these. Um, so most of the cinema or the industries, right. which is outside of Bombay, are 
are little far are a little behind adopting some of these new innovations are concerned or taking these risks are concerned um essentially because how they operate you know the associations the local bodies and essentially who are the ones running that industry makes a lot of difference correct right in in bombay in bollywood especially the producers association or the theater association they're strong but they don't they don't command political power the way uh south indian associations or even you know other regional associations right do. right um so that's one nuance that comes at play quite a bit on how how and when they release their titles on which platform so definitely. bollywood will definitely be the first they've already done it and i think bollywood will continue to do it also because we're producing significantly more in absolute numbers so there is more available for platforms to buy got it one more nuance that i would like to bring out is movies releasing on tv or world premiere on tv is also a very established sort of uh, revenue Correct. model right it is it, it is something that uh, channels have also monetized it's something that producers also count on when they're doing their maths when they're uh, putting the movie together how do you think tv channels will respond to this direct to ott sort of model how does that play out um, for the, for tv as a stakeholder so they're definitely worried about it correct because traditionally before ott they have been the second highest payer after theatrical revenues so they commanded lot of power and that power is you know waning a little bit um so they are worried definitely worried about it and they try to basically play a lot in terms of the window and offer the correct amount of money accordingly on the other hand some of the other broadcasters are a little happy with it and right. the reason being now they feel that the the additional 30 or 40 crore that they were supposed to contribute some of that can go down correct so their essential cost can go down and that gap can be fulfilled by the ott platforms right. themselves right right um, so there more defensibility uh, one more ab- buyer in ab- the market there's one more buyer in the market so what they're trying to now get to at look if i if if ott does the same day release as b how much money do i lose in advertising versus the cost reduction i get for the same title if ott right. goes simultaneously so if a 50 crore film i'm able to buy at 25 crore but my revenue has not dropped more than 20% it's still a win win for me but again it's it's still a very new phenomena so you know the push and pull uh, or the peak of the push and pull is yet to be seen broadcasters are still they want to buy these large titles they still want to be able to run those uh, you know world premieres or mega premieres uh, with the money spinners for them right they, the money spinners for them and that's why most of them have output deals as well correct so right. uh, with the actors so that get locked as well but like i said there's so much enough and more made correct so tomorrow if i don't get you know one out of the five akshay kumar films that get made in a year or four akshay kumar films that make it made in a year it's okay there's still right. so much more made that it doesn't matter right my last question to you before we wrap up the ott and movie theater segment is um, in about 5 to 10 years time do you see reliance winning the indian entertainment scene or do you see reliance winning the indian, indian entertainment scene <laughs> that's a good question um so yes i think in the end the winner will be reliance not 5 years but definitely 10 years not because you know they are investing so much on the entertainment content production and all that but they will probably become the only pipe which will be delivering content to most consumers in india and right. in the end whoever owns the pipe owns everything absolutely um, absolutely so, i think so this they can go cool. out and squeeze anyone correct 
So I think it it will be the biggest person by virtue of owning the pipe that takes that content. And then you know how regulations are in India; they can do whatever they want. They can just decide. Oh, Karan Johar, I don't like you. Tera to bitrate kam ho gaya. Abhi tera jo bhi title ja raha hai, jisko bhi ja raha hai, wo 380p pe hi jayega. Abhi kar lo jo karna hai. You know. Right. But well, that, it it opens up very difficult questions. Uh, the OTT landscape. But um, we'll save that for. Um, Uh, the next episode that brings us to the end of the first part of my chat with Vivek Lat. Uh, tune in next week for part two of our conversation, where we talk more about how TV channels and programming is linked to revenue.